I need it to be that we understand certain patterns. And one of these patterns is that word is first in our lives. Yeah? Word is first. Word is everything. Yeah? I think, and Pastor Ben probably will be able to also um, express this to you, maybe even better than I would. Um, I think we're more and more and progressively amazed by the person that we follow called Pastor Toby. And I have not been able to stop thinking about him. I have not. Like, I mean, everything I'm doing in my prayers, in my studying of the word, in my thinking time, I'm just looking at the man we have. And in my, I told you I won't go into the depths of thoughts this morning because it's not meant to be that type of morning. Um, but I'll share one thing. In the depths of my thoughts, it kept coming to me that this is the example of the word. You know, unfortunately, across the world and in the Christian faith, we don't see many examples of the word. We see examples of religion. We see people that can quote many scriptures. We see people who dress a certain way. We see people who try to abstain themselves from a certain lifestyle and, and all these things. But we have very few examples of the word. When you look at a pastor Toby and you see a man that has... Um, grown to such power and again I said that I probably won't be able to to and I won't actually in this broadcast um, extensively detail the the manner of man we follow the manner of leader we have father we have but how a man who started ministry at 25 26 in a foreign foreign country and has grown to such power in one of the toughest cities yeah in the world and have his name go across the whole world. When I was thinking about him, what laid on my heart was, this is the example of the word. So I don't, for me personally, I've said to myself that there's a whole, re there's a, and I was saying this to Pastor Sam actually yesterday, that the power of reinventing ourselves or the, the goal of, or the, the passion to reinvent ourselves must heighten. Yeah, but again, so that I don't get into that conversation, but I was looking at Pastor Toby and I was saying to myself, okay, there's, there's a drive in me to allow God, yeah, to make me an example of his word to another generation. Yeah, and this is what I want us all to be. So it's because of this reason that I don't care how um, um, non-businessy, it looks or it's not the most orderly or whatever, I'm always going to try in every conversation that I have with you to share one word or another. Because I need it to be that when a Sean goes back to Ireland and when he's operating with the responsibility to lead in that capacity there or serve in that capacity there, I want him to know that it is not zeal. It's not um, the workings or the ideas you come up by yourself. It's going to be the doing and the presence of the word amongst you. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? In your businesses, you must know this too, that it's going to be the power of the word present with you, the obedience to the word that makes you and I 
prosper in what we do. So I wanted us to start with First John. I won't go into extensive um, teaching on it, but First John 2, um, verse 10. Let me just quote that scripture to you quickly. Then we'll go to the Romans 8 that PT quoted or was teaching us out of um, yesterday. Again, I won't go into too much um, teaching on it, but just to have us start our day with some scriptures. First John chapter 2, verse 10, when you're ready. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. This has been my meditation since yesterday. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. I want you to take that word, I want you to think about it, ponder on it, and I want you to understand the confidence spoken here by John to the person that chooses to remain in the light. Or the person that remains in the light, what caused them to remain in the light? They, this is a person that constantly abides in love. This person constantly lives in love. They express love out of them, their actions, their um their speech, their conversations, what you see, what you can testify of them is that love oozes out of them. And I do um, want to emphasize again what PT said to us yesterday that you don't hear PT saying often, go back and listen to this SoundCloud. I suggest that you find your time. If that's you breaking it up so that you can have the time, you break it up into sections so that you can um, really go back over the word. But one of the keys that PT said right at the beginning, and I had to write on my notes, listen from this time. That's how I break down the word. I'll write on my notes, listen from this time. PT actually made a comment that how do you attract the spirit of your leader to follow the, the behavior? It can change. Do you remember the example he gives? He can decide for this to be here in point A and tomorrow he can decide for it to be at point B. And if you're trying to follow that, it'll be difficult. But how do you attract the spirit of your leader? And he said, it's by increasing your capacity of love. Are you with me, COD? It's increasing your capacity of love. Do you remember what he said to the COD family yesterday? He said, how would we take the world? Whenever PT is showcasing or, in quote, advertising the COD family to anyone, the first thing he says is that COD is the biggest family in the nation. These are, these are things with pride you must hold on to. And you must make it more than chance. You must make it core. What I mean by that is whenever any activity is asked of us, you must see it as COD shows that we are truly the biggest family in numbers, in quality, in heart, everything, in the ability to accommodate. We're the biggest. I don't see that as chance. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? I see that as core. So, again, there are little things that happens along the way that is a reminder or for us to train ourselves or be prepared in that truth. Things like this Sunday, Gold Lounge. We don't, uh, when, when the admin team or the team working on the things have to tell me that, look, we have X amount of people in COD. And the simple thing we need is the registration of at least everyone in COD. And then we're still lacking there. 
what I'm starting to see is that someone, and that's why I'm taking you to the next scripture, that person is still self-consumed, self-focused. And you would see in the scripture that we're about to go into that such person, the Bible says that that person ignores God. The person that is self-consumed, the person that is self-focused is consumed with themselves. And in that, in that fact, they ignore God. And the following scripture that we'll, we'll, we'll read actually then says, and you know that God does not, is not pleased with those ignoring him. So back to the point, anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. They are constantly enlightened. There's information. I said to you the other day that it is not the most brilliant. It is not the most intelligent that has or is able to walk into a level of finances. No, it's the person privy to information. How would we grow from stage to stage if Helper's House says that their target is 100K in a month? It's that living in love that makes that target more and more real. They stare at that as a light shining in a dark place. But progressively, it becomes a day that dawns. It becomes something that is evident. It becomes something that's abundant. How? By the abiding in love. They remain in love. They stay there. This is what PT has said to us. This is how you wirelessly connect to the spirit that is in the person that we follow. So anyone who loves their brother and sister. So I took this scripture because it's very simple to follow. So God looks at me daily. Can I love my brother and sister? And he said, do you remember what PT said to us yesterday? That these are things you must constantly confess. Because your body, your mind is already opposing it. So you have to keep speaking it into existence in you. I love all people. I love my, um, my accusers. I love my supporters. If someone sees a Pastor Obi, if someone sees a Pastor Paris, if someone sees a whole COD, they must see the character. They must see the passion of love that we have. It says anyone who loves their brother and sister lives. They abide. They are constantly enlightened. And why am I emphasizing this point? Because I can see, and I was saying this to Pastor Ben, I can see certain people who took up the responsibility of court. One being, I have to give. I have to provide financially. And they took it. And what God did is that what they thought was light at that time, which was truly truly darkness, I'm talking like business, for example, their, bu their business or what they were trying to do, for instance, using Keith as an example this morning, his business in terms of property was a form of light, which was actually darkness. He thought that this was going to be what makes him. But what happened when he took court, when he took responsibility, what happened is that God begins to empty that out. So he's given out of what he thought would be his provision to the point that there's nothing left. Then light, because he's living in love. Again, love is not necessarily being nice. Love is knowing what you ought to be doing. Remember what love is. First John 3.16. Let's look at that actually quickly. First John 3.16. PT taught us this yesterday as well. And I think it's proper that we still go over these words so that we're not quickly, um, we don't become forgetful hearers. Once you're there, you can read First John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Before this, we, even as followers, did not really know the expression of love. We thought love means just being nice. 
But this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ, what? Lay down his life for us. It's the laying down of your life. That is love. I've said it to you before. Someone can offend me, but in order to keep the unity of the spirit, I choose to lay down my life. I lay down my integrity in quote. I lay down my entitlements in order that they can remain the flow of God's spirit here. COD, are you listening to me? So that this can stay. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And what are we ought to do? What, do, what are we meant to do? Go on. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Did you see that again? The brothers and sisters. Your power base. So guess what? You living amongst people is your power. Because again, how do you remain someone constantly enlightened? So when I gave the example of Akida, property looks like it was light before, but we realize under the light, because the Bible says in his light, we see light. So we realize that property is not the end game. And what happens? The things you will not expect him to enter progressively, where you could be making much more money than you're laboring, is being shown to him. How does he live in that light? Responsibility, love. He understands that he has to lay down his own aspirations of being this great guru, being this individual financial guy. But he's constantly laying down his life in giving. And what happens? He's doing that for his brothers and sisters. So money, and I'm just speaking practically with you, money can be taken from him to go and help other brothers and sisters. And what does that do to him? Eventually, he, ent he enters into a new business. I said to him, you're meeting someone who is a genius who's making X amount on a daily basis. How did you get there? How did you get to this position? You, usually, if you're ever going to come in contact with such person, you must pay your way there. Or you must, in quotes, forgive me for saying it like this, you must brilliant your way there. You must be as brilliant to get there. But you, this person is offering free partnership. How? Because you kept giving, you kept laying down your life for your brother and sister. So God kept you in light. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? you? God keeps us. So we ought to, as Jesus did, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So listen, this is why the trap houses mean everything. Because it's giving you a cheat. It's giving you a fast, um, a um, shortcut, sorry, to being able to walk in this power because you're constantly around your brothers and sisters. And sometimes just to live at peace with them, you're going to have to bite your tongue because you need to love. I'm saying to you, COD, that living amongst people, everything that we are being set up in, it's not to your disadvantage, it's to your blessing, it's to your gain, it's to your prosperity. So again, what did we see in 1 John 2? It says, um, read it for me once more if you're still there. 1 John 2, verse 10. Anyone who lives, anyone who loves their brother and sister. Anyone, irrespective of where you're coming from irrespective of how brilliant you think you are or how brilliant you're not are you listening to what i'm saying to you irrespective of who you are if you can just live in love then you will live in the light this is how a nikisha can currently be let's say a 1k giver but because she loves and because of the the need of the work god can begin to channel six figures through her it's love 
So I want us now to go to Romans 8. It says, finish that scripture first. Did you finish it? Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. Yeah. And there is nothing in them to make them stumble. There's nothing in them. Once you've accessed love, there's nothing. There's nothing in you able to pull you down again. Now let's go to Romans 8. We're going to read in the message. And I want you to read from verse 5. We're going to read from verse 5 to 11. And then I'll give you the announcements and go. Those who think they can do it on their own end. Those who think they can do it. Those who think they can do it on their own. End up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle. So you see how this scripture starts now. You saw the emphasis of your power base being living amongst brothers and sisters, loving them. You're not, so basically, your power being in caring for another. Now it draws first the, the, the similarity, or not the similarity, it draws contrast between the person who chooses to live by themselves. The person who thinks they can do it on their own. It says those who think they can do it on their own end up, go on. Obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle. Yes, they measure their own moral muscle, but what happens? But never get around to exercising it in real life. These are people who talk, but never get to live the life that they talk about. They are all talk. They say this is the way, but they cannot find themselves on that journey. Why? Because they are trying to approach things by themselves. But look at what scripture first says. Those who trust God, go on. Those who trust God's action in them yeah. find that God's spirit is in them. Did you see that? So one of my brothers sent me a message um, the other day saying that he was touched by a reference I made about being able to yield. This is the scripture. It says, those who trust God's action in them find. Let me change the word there. They begin to discover that God's spirit actually is in them. Meaning, so when I begin to, when, when we are faced with rejection and my heart tells me, go into the place of prayer so that you don't see this as just man rejecting you. Go back into the place of prayer. And then I realize that, no, this is not man's rejection. This is God's action. This is God moving here. As I start to realize that truth, what happens to me? I start to discover that God's spirit actually lives in me. So then I start to do certain things. And people say, how do you know that? But then it's me also discovering. Remember what I said to you about the cord and the person that is called, where they're called to. I said to you, I think it was Luke 10 when I said that it brings about mutual transformation. So I am realizing also that God's spirit actually lives in me. God's spirit is what stops me from taking the wrong way. Those who trust. So every situation I'm faced with. So I say to you again, Josh, if a Josh now says, I'm not making as much as I thought I can. And he starts to become discouraged by that. What happens? He's losing sight that God's, that God's action is in them. It's in him. And what is he doing? He's stopping himself from discovering that God's spirit actually lives in him. I hope you're understanding what I'm saying to you. He says, those who trust, remember what trust is. It's like love hanging on something. You know, like I gave the example the other day that if, or maybe it was to the fortress, I can't remember. But trust is, look, I can hold somebody and their fear is that they're going to fall. But trust is that because I'm holding on to this person, I won't fall. So yes, situation looks down and out. 
but I trust God that it's his action working in me. And because of that, I begin to progressively discover and find that God's spirit is in me, living and breathing God. Go on, obsession. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Yeah. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life. Focus stop Stop there. You know, obsession with self is not just someone that is consumed with themselves um, arrogantly. Obsession with self is when you begin to equate everything to, oh, I've done something wrong. You're also saying it's all about you. You don't think about, no, God's trying to do something bigger. So I, I'm thinking about when I'm trying to get certain things done and it looks like for Pastor Obi it's not working. No, the, the flesh will make it seem like it's about me. Truth will tell me that what God is doing through me is about him. It's about everyone. So what I need to do is put my focus away from me, away from self, and put it on God. Why? It leads us out into the open, into a spacious, free life, an exposed life. What's the difference between a pastor Toby and a typical pastor? A pastor can grow powerful, but only in the Christian world. Guess what? They're not out in the open. They're not in the spacious free life. They are not exposed. They don't know how. I, I loved something, a caption that someone, a friend of Pastor Toby, um, or a, a, yeah, a friend of Pastor Toby wrote in their picture, in their picture together. It says that you, ca you can never save a generation that you don't understand. How did PT get to this place? Attention to God led him to an exposed life. He can understand God in different areas of life. Now, what does it say? Focusing on self, go on. Is the opposite of focusing on God. So this morning, and you can imagine this was not my plans this morning, but this morning what God is saying or what God is trying to pull us into is away from focusing on self into focusing on God. Seeing God in everything and in everyone. Not seeing your faults. I love when PT took us to the scripture where it says, and love that takes no record of wrong. So there's nothing happening in your life if you're under this word. Because there's a difference between those who have refused to receive the spirit, as you would see in the scripture in a moment. But as you have chosen to be in this house and receive the spirit, there's no such thing as things are not going well because God's seen something in my life and he's angry with it. Because love does not take record of wrong. So what are we doing today as the COD family as we're progressively evolving? And again, I can't get into that conversation today, but it's right before you. Everything is changing. And with that change is a call to reinvent yourself. From when we used to be, for example, where we used to be so excited and we, we loved be living with um, so much people and that allowed so much time for play now we're being called into the responsibility of providing for the work raising support for God's called man Pastor Toby it says fo focusing on the self on the self is the opposite of focusing on God now look at what it says go on anyone completely absorbed in self ignores God what does that say what does it say next ends up thinking more about self than God yeah that person ignores who God is 
and what he is doing. Did you see that? Such person that is consumed by themselves ignores who God is. They fail to know his nature. They fail to know what he what his mind is on. And it says, and because of this, they also ignore what he is doing. So someone can be self-consumed um, with depression. Someone is looking at themselves with, they keep saying over their own life that I can't do this. I don't know this. But here's the problem. They're missing out on what God is trying to do in and through them. I said to Pastor Sam yesterday that looking at you, someone, I felt to, you know, it baffles me to believe that you were once in prison. Because the way you talk, the way you reason, the things you do, does not show any relation to someone that's ever been in prison. I've met people that's come out of prison. I've seen people in prison. How did you change? You see, when he exposed himself to God and started to focus on what God, who God is and what God is doing through following leadership, what happened? God started to do something through him, reinventing him, changing who he is. Now, scripture says to us, that person ignores who God is and what he is doing, and God isn't pleased at being ignored. Now, carry on reading. Let's look at the last part. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, yeah. you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Now, look at what happens when you allow God to take up residence in your life. And how do we do this? It's embracing, creating a home, yeah? Creating a home that pleases him. The home of God is love. It's the desire to love. It's the desire to welcome love. That welcomes God because God is love. But if God himself has taken up residence in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Yeah, so what happens is that sometimes when you begin to think of yourself, quickly your heart is nudged towards God again. If he takes up residence in you. It says anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, mm -hmm. the spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. Yeah. But for you who welcome him. But for you, this is you, C.O.D. This is you, Jody. This is you, Dan. But for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though, go on, you still experience all the limitations of sin. I get that you have the same limitations of sin as those who have not welcomed him, but look at this. You yourself experience life on God's terms. But you yourself experience life on God's terms. Not on your terms. So it's upon God's terms that we know that sickness can't take us. It's upon God's terms that we know that we're progressively taking nations. And eventually we're going to get to the place. I believe the nation will eventually get to a place. As PT said that nation comes before generation. We will eventually get to the place of reforming, changing, and bringing out a pattern that changes a whole generation. We will get there because you yourselves, by welcoming him, his spirit. Yesterday when I was leading you in prayer, praying that God's realm enters you, pushes into you. He says you experience, you yourself experience life, but on God's terms. So yeah, when money was given to us, we realized that 2K at the end of the month is nothing because we are living on God's terms, not ours. 
And you see, God is all accommodating. So 2K, where 2K could have let the normal person survive on their own. Yes, that's them living on their own terms. But for we who live on God's terms, 2K, I'm thinking, it won't feed the people I live with. It won't allow us to push the work we need to do. The moment that you start to realize how what seemed big to others has become small to you is to tell you that you are now living. God is now living in you because you are now having or holding the, responsibi the responsibility of catering or looking after a lot of people as the all in all. So he says to us, you yourself experience life on God's terms. It stands to reason, doesn't it? That if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead, moves into your life. This is the reason why I was talking about God's realm moving into you. He says that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, that's a realm. It moves into you. It enters you. It finds you as a house ready to accommodate him. It moves into your life. He'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. And what was it that he did? Bringing you alive to himself. Your life, everything you do, will awaken you progressively to who he is. More and more, we start to discover his love. We start to discover his will. We start to know his heart. Why? Because he was able to see love in you. He was able to see, remember why I keep saying love? Because you now choose to live on God's terms. What is God's terms? Dying for somebody else, laying down your life for somebody else, which is love. You live on his terms. So what does he do? Because you chose that, he starts to bring you more and more, bringing you alive to him. So you start to see finances from a different perspective because you're being brought, you're being made alive more and more to him. You see housing, you see education, you see business, you see everything from a better perspective because you chose to lay down your life. You chose to love. Now look at what it says. When God lives, and let's end with this, go on. And breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. So what is our sure hope? Our sure end is that as he continues to live in us, he is bringing us under the power of his deliverance. We are being delivered totally from that dead life. So again, I've taught you this before, a lame generation, having the heart to serve God, but your body is not being able to live up to what your heart is calling for. What happens? God says, it's fine. I've seen your heart. I've seen that you want to welcome me. Now my spirit, my realm moves into you. And as long as I stay with you, I begin to deliver your body. Please don't forget where, was, where he said it earlier. Uh, uh, where is this thing now? It was talking about the body. I think it was maybe a different translations that actually. But don't worry, don't go there. But he was saying that your body is dead. Your current body is dead. But as you live in him, as, as he lives and breathes in you, he delivers that dead body from death into life. It says that you are delivered from that dead life. Actually, it's here. You are delivered from that dead life. Then what does it say? With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. Remember that PT emphasized that it was the body. In another translation, it was saying that um, it was talking about your mortal bodies. So that you know that he's talking about this frame here. Yeah, this frame is subject to sin. 
But as you allow the spirit to enter you because of the love that you embrace, what happens is that the spirit constantly being able to live in you brings your body to a place whereby it starts to be alive. It functions as Adam before he sinned. It functions exactly as Christ. Have you ever thought to yourself that you've heard the word, but you procrastinate in doing the word? That's a body limited to sin. But God says, as far as you remain exposed to his spirit, for the words I speak to you are spirit and life. You're exposed to this word. This is the reason why I said that we constantly stay under the word. This is our first commitment. We stay under the word. And what does that do? It delivers us. Yeah, my spirit serves him, but also in my body, I can serve him. In my body, I become alive as Christ. So this is what I want to submit to you, COD, that we must remain to dwell in love. And in case you don't understand that, as you saw the scripture begin with, it says those who think they can do it on their own end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in life. We start to see all these different things. What I wanted to emphasize with the, or with the other scripture that we read, um, um, 1 John 3.16, is God set you up, in other words, with being amongst brothers and sisters. So why doesn't the old church walk in this light? Church is still the gathering of individuals rather than the family being set up. With us now, we go from church. We live in church. We're constantly between, uh, within each other. That is God setting you up to, perfect, to, to the perfection of love. And you know, again, as we saw in 1 John 2, if you love, you will live in light. You won't struggle with hotelier or whatever it is that you're doing. You'll progressively just be, be given different information. God will be giving you the information that allows you to walk through certain doors. So this Sunday, guys, again, I believe it is core that we have numbers. We know that God does not need many to save, but he still uses many. We know that God can use few to save, and he will use few. In other words, God can use both many and few. Now, I believe, and I want everyone to make sure that you're on with me, so let me see your comments. We are all responsible over this core. The power of the core is not works. Remember what I've shared with you before. It is not the, in order that God's um, purpose in election might stand, which is not by works, but by him who calls. What we are doing is that our work is to keep focus on God. Because then he can bring alive that core within us. So what am I saying to you, therefore? Even Sunday services as it is. These are not things that we just say, oh, well, we're, we're in a cinema, right? No, it's another expression of our core. 